0: podcast about morality and politics with Michael Bang-Peterson and Oliver Scott Curry. Okay, welcome to episode two of The Map, a podcast about morality and politics where Michael Bang-Peterson and I, Oliver Scott Curry, try to figure out what's going on in the world, in the world of morality and politics. And this week, we're talking inevitably about covid Coronavirus and the pandemic. Um, we're recording this in October 2020, so we're what eight months, ten months into it, um, in and out of lockdown. And I want to start by saying, when this when this all started, Michael, there was obviously lots of arguments for what we should be doing and how we should how we should um, tackle it, and. Um, I started to have a look at the the arguments on both sides. Um, and it reminded me of an experience I had 10 years ago or so when I got really interested in the paleo diet and started to read all these, started to read all these interesting papers and meta-analyses about saturated fat and carbs and this, that, and the other. Um, and although I learned a lot and it was very interesting, I, I got to a point where I realized, okay, I'm never really going to get to the bottom of this. I'm, I'm no expert. I'm not good. There's no point trying to be an armchair nutritionist. And when this rabbit hole came along, I had a kind of similar, uh, more immediate reaction that, well, here's another fascinating topic. Who knows what the right answer is? Who knows what the best policy is to this pandemic? But this is a rabbit hole that I'm going to avoid. I don't want to be an armchair epidemiologist. Um, so I, there's big asymmetry here. So I, I know that I know nothing. And Michael, you've dived straight in you have a you had a different experience what's your experience been
1: Uh, yes so uh, I I, uh, at least uh, took took the uh, very opposite uh, path uh, in some in some ways uh, than you and and I am so I dived in and I'm now leading uh, the largest uh, Danish social science uh, project on on COVID uh, and trying to understand both the behavior of Danes and uh, uh, other uh, people from other countries uh, their their behavior as well and I think what what uh, triggered me was not so much the need to be an armchair epidemiologist uh, and I am I'm certainly uh, not uh, not that um, but I think what triggered me was that I saw something that I very much knew was wrong uh, from my social science uh, background. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll come to that in a, in a little bit. But uh, the, the way that I have tried to approach uh, the pandemic uh, and the overall crisis is exactly not as an armchair epidemiologist, but by trying to say, well, a pandemic is uh, not just a medical crisis. But is just as much a crisis of communication and a crisis of leadership, and and that is the sort of uh, that is is crucial uh, social science curriculum. So it's it is very important, I think, that uh, social scientists uh, do speak uh, up and and do have a role in in the overall uh, management of the pandemic. And
0: and. And, What's bes- and I'm very glad, very glad you did, Michael.
1: Uh, well, uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, it is a time-consuming uh, beast, uh, though. Um, but so what, what particularly triggered me uh, was, of course, the, the Danish case, because I am a Dane and I'm here in uh, in Denmark. Uh, but I think that the Danish experience uh, is, uh, is sort of similar to what has happened uh, many other places. And that's the underlying idea that you need to fear the public and that you need to uh fear that the public panics when it is uh when a crisis uh comes and i think this was very clear in the danish communication
0: is that and is that the thing that you thought was wrong at the outset of all this
1: yes so that was uh that was basically what got me into it and it's um it's kind of a bizarre story uh, how how I ended up doing this research. Um, but what, what I saw in the official communication, like in very early uh, March and in late February from the Danish uh, authorities was that, uh, okay, uh, this might be bad, but uh, most importantly, uh, don't panic. Mm. Uh, and I, what sort of triggered me by that was that because they had this notion that by all means, we cannot uh, sort of activate panic, then it meant that they weren't actually telling the truth about the scenarios uh, that they were operating with. Uh, they being the, the,
0: the Danish government. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so that was my, my pretty clear impression. And I, at, at least like I was reading the official um, reports from the World Health Organization, uh, on what happened in Wuhan, and I'm pretty sure that the Danish and other authorities were doing that, um, also. And and from that, it it does suggest that there was reason to uh, to take uh, some serious uh, precautions, uh, but they weren't really sort of telling that uh, upfront. And I see, I I think the situation was pretty similar in in uh, the UK and, uh, and Trump has admitted that the situation was exactly the same, the same in, in, in United uh, States.
0: We didn't, he didn't want the, the markets to panic. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: and, and basically, um, I, uh, I, I ranted about this, uh, at home, uh, until my wife, uh, Get tired uh, of that. What, wait, I,
0: what was what was the rant? The rant was the the government's not telling us the truth. They're too worried about people panicking. They they must be keeping something behind, keeping something back. They should not worry about people panicking, and they should tell us what's going on.
1: So, uh, sort of that, but with uh, uh, less of a conspiracy uh, theory uh, angle and more that they are operating. On uh, false impressions uh, about uh, the public, uh, and that they are sort of not necessarily holding back information, but more like trying to downplay uh, the potential uh, consequences.
0: And, and this idea, so this is a kind of common idea, right? That um, like, the, like the madness of crowds, yes. and that people that people panic. So. Is that, is that something that you knew the literature on?
1: Yes, so I, I've been been uh, doing research on Danish public reactions uh, doing terrorist attacks uh, and uh, one of the uh, latest huge uh, sort of foreign policy crisis in Denmark, the so-called Mohammed cartoon uh, uh, crisis, which unfortunately, again, as we uh, speak, is, uh, is relevant. Uh, because of the beheading in uh, in France. But, and what, what our conclusions were uh, back then was that people are fully able to uh, navigate in a calm, relatively rational fashion doing these kinds of uh, crises if uh, the political elites uh, sort of uh, communicate in an appropriate fashion.
0: So where, where does the idea that cra- crowds are mad come from?
1: I think that is very, uh, that's a very, very good question. And sometimes I sort of uh, blame uh, people like me, uh, the political scientists, uh, like we, we spend an awful lot uh, of uh, time in lectures talking about how little people know about politics, how sort of incompetent they are in navigating uh, the world of politics, and and at least here in Denmark, the the students that we have in political science are the students that go into politics and who take up key positions in bureaucracy. So, in in a way, I sort of cannot blame them for from having this perspective because this is what is being taught at universities.
0: But it's not exactly the same thing. I mean, saying the electorate is ignorant is not the same as saying the ignorant is the, sorry. The electorate is uh, inflammable. Um, but is there some kind of, Oh, you know, the, the hoi polloi, the unwashed masses out there, they're, they're stupid and crazy and they'll just go. Yeah. Like they're,
1: they're stupid and emotional. I think that's the, that's the core message. If you take a, a course in political behavior or political psychology.
0: Right. And I, and again, one of the joys of this podcast is not having, um, Not over preparing, so I haven't over prepared. But I've certainly um, come across a few articles that I'll put in the the show notes, uh, um, making similar kind of points about natural disasters and things like that. So there is a I don't know we call it like a a lay intuition that in a natural disaster it will be anarchy and people will go mad and there'll be looting and there'll be um, you know it'll be dreadful. Whereas it, there seems to be a fair amount of research saying no, that that isn't the case. Obviously, people's reactions vary, and some people do bad things, um, but many people, most people, do good things. That they come together in a crisis, that they uh, they cooperate because they they're faced with a common problem um, uh, in many ways. And uh, so certainly, the, the the worst case scenario isn't the most likely one, and people can rise to the challenge.
1: Yes. No it, it, exactly. Uh, and, and it was so that was sort of the basis of, of my my rant. Uh, and, and, and the, the, the Twitter version of that was picked up by Danish media and was uh, uh, in the end picked up by the Danish Minister of Health, uh, who uh, reached out uh, for advice.
0: All right. So, so the, the rant was you're treating people like idiots, and they're they're not. They can people are people are okay.
1: Exactly, and that uh, concern and worry is is uh, is actually a productive emotion during a crisis. Uh, of course, you don't need sort of uh, you, you need balanced communication. You need them to be motivated to do something about the problem, but you also need to instill. Uh, uh, sort of uh, efficacy and an optimism. So you need sort of this balance type of communication where you're saying, well, we have a massive problem that we need to do something uh, mm-hmm. to deal with, but then you also need to tell people what they uh, can do in order to mm-hmm. handle uh, the risk. So you need to sort of have both sides. Uh, and my, my point was that that's key. And also that the what they should really fear is uncertainty rather than anxiety because uncertainty is really the driver of uh, for example conspiracy theories
0: mm. so you have i mean you have to treat people like grown-ups exactly and, all right so okay so you are now you're in touch with the danish health minister um and so what how did that what happened next
1: uh yeah so that was um so I, w- I was at a meeting on the on the same day that uh, the lockdown here in denmark uh, started and uh, and and one of the advice that i gave was also to exactly think about the the crisis not as a uh, only a a matter for epidemiologists but also for social scientists exactly because of the importance of communication and leadership uh and uh and basically, uh, I also uh, said that publicly and then uh, I was uh, getting into contact with a survey agency that I've been working uh, with before saying, this is a great idea, let's uh, get uh, to business uh, as soon as possible. And then uh, the Carlsberg Foundation, a private research foundation, also reached out to me and... Uh, and then in a, uh, in a very short time, we got uh, a lot of money.
0: Okay, so wait a minute. So the, did the Danish health ministry kind of fess up and say, okay, yeah, we have been treating people like, I'm exaggerating, but they, yes, we've been treating people like fools. You've got a point, Michael. We want to do things differently. And you said, yes, you should do things differently. And,
1: yeah so and- uh, that's that's not uh, exactly how politicians uh, no. uh say things uh, but uh they they listened uh, and I, I i think it had an impact on the communication
0: okay and then is it mr carlsberg
1: <laughs> no no uh, so uh the uh, uh it's it's uh, so it's a, a private research uh, foundation um and uh, so the Carlsberg, uh, he's is, he's is, uh, long dead and uh, and gone.
0: Oh, but, I mean, there's not any. Are there any Carlsbergs left?
1: Uh, that's actually a good question. I I, I don't know. So right. the whole the
0: the we're going to get angry letters from all the Danish.
1: No, characters. no, no, no. This is, this is an interesting story in its own right, but it's sort of a sidetrack. But but basically, uh, the the owner of Carlsberg a hundred or more years ago. Uh, handed over the brewery to the Royal Academy of Science in Denmark because of mm. a feud with his son. Uh, mm. So, uh, so in that sense, the Carlsberg family sort of moved uh, into uh, into the shadows of history. Uh,
0: well, I never. So, so the beer is paying for science. Exactly. Kind of. Okay, so. You had a receptive audience with the Danish health ministry. You said, okay, let's get to work. So what, what was the work? What did you, what was your research question?
1: Yeah, so uh, yes, and, and that's, uh, that's in a sense a very good question uh, because uh, basically we uh, have this open research question where we are saying that we uh, want to understand how it is that democracies cope uh, doing a crisis like uh, this pandemic. Um but, but this was a, a grant proposal that was uh, written in a matter of hours, uh, and uh, no sort of elaborate theoretical uh, developments, uh, but rather saying this is important, We need uh, data uh, and we need as much data as we can, and we need that both uh, for uh, to, in order to sort of uh, navigate through the crisis now, in order to do research on what is happening now and also for history uh, to sort of document what happened
0: so so you were you doing research or did you put out a call for research uh did you you invite proposals on this question or were you just doing things i was just doing things okay so what was the first thing you did so the first thing we did was to uh,
1: start collecting data uh, survey data in uh in eight different uh, countries, eight different uh, democracies. And sort of, so we're having these sort of rolling cross-sectional surveys that have been going on since March uh, across a number of countries. Then we began scraping.
0: On what, the question? The surveys on what?
1: Ah, uh, on, well, both on like public uh, sentiment, like public mood, uh, worries, concerns. Uh, compliance with uh, health restrictions, uh, political attitudes, uh, uh, such as support uh, for the for the um, uh, policies, the restrictions, and so on. Uh, a lot of um, the the types of psychological motivating factors that we know influence risk behavior uh, as well, uh, and so on. So basically, the the focus was to understand the extent to which uh, people were complying with restrictions and understand the individual differences uh, behind that um, that was sort of the main focus but also uh, and the mental was it health. just
0: and was it just sort of you're just tracking these levels or were there were you testing interventions like oh this this group had this kind of message and they ended up more or less anxious and this other group had a different kind of message or different approach
1: yeah so the the, the basic idea in the project is to uh, focus more on developing time series so basically just collecting a huge amounts of of data on uh, over time so both from the media from the government from social media from public opinion surveys uh, from uh, also from uh, Facebook uh, in, in terms of, of mobility, uh, like how it is that people uh, sort of go around uh, in the world. But uh, but we're also having sort of more focused, specific studies uh, where we, we test particular interventions or do experiments, but like the sort of... Uh, backbone of the project is just sort of this uh, data collection of the same types of measures over time
0: okay so forgive my ignorance but if like at the end of this you're going to have 12 months of data on for example how anxious people are about covid yeah and it's kind of kind of kind of going to go up a bit and down a bit and uh, wibble around a bit and hopefully go down what are you what are you going to do with that
1: So, one of the key things that we are are interested in is, for example, uh, how it is that information flows, uh, work doing uh, or in a democracy. uh, What what happens when a a government uh, imposes a restriction? How does that influence behavior uh, through the media reporting, through the social media attention it generates? um
0: and so forth so so in this in this 12 month for example data series you've got points in there when okay at this point the government did this campaign or this or this new lockdown came into effect and you can uh with the usual caveats you can kind of see what happened next exactly so And and then you can presumably you can compare that across different countries who did different things at different times
1: exactly so that's 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 the basic idea
0: okay and which what are the other which countries is it
1: so it's uh denmark it's sweden it's germany it's france it's hungary it's uh, italy it's united uh, kingdom and it's the united states
0: okay and i know you obviously haven't finished yet but are there? what have you discovered
1: so i think i think one of the uh the Key findings uh, that we have uh, at at this point is, uh, for example, doing the um, uh, doing the lockdowns. Then we are seeing a rapid change uh, in behavior uh, across all countries. And one of the interesting things is that that seems to be pretty independent of uh, of the actual restrictions uh, imposed in a given country. And if people report that they know what to do, uh, that they know how to deal with the coronavirus, then they change their behavior. So it, what, one interpretation which we need to back up with, uh, with uh, future science is that potentially there was two things spreading uh, across the globe in the spring. There was the virus, and then there was the idea of physical distancing. Uh, and in fact, it seemed that uh, ideas spread faster than virus. Uh, and therefore a lot of people change their behavior before the arrival of the pandemic to the specific country. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a hugely different situation from how pandemics normally work, where people actually need to die on the doorstep, on your doorstep, before you change your uh, behavior. That's sort of a general sentiment. Uh, in the pandemic literature.
0: Okay, and is that because people were seeing people die in Wuhan or in Northern Italy or something?
1: Yeah, that would be my best, uh, be my best guess at, at this point, that uh, especially uh, Northern Italy uh, and the events there had a huge uh, impact on, on Western uh, populations. No, but basically it, it it might mean that that what we're seeing uh, doing uh, the early stages of the pandemic is is potentially uh, the the a one example of a global uh, public community uh, that we haven't really seen before and but that we probably need in order to solve other uh, uh, sort of pretty big uh, problems on the horizon, such as the as the climate.
0: So it seemed like you were you were seeing the response spread further and faster than the disease itself. And that was that across all of the countries. Uh,
1: So of course, there are uh, some uh, differences between countries, but but basically, uh, overall, uh, everywhere, uh, we saw very, very high rates of uh, compliance, even even in in uh, countries where things were more heavily politicized afterwards such as the United States.
0: Okay so this makes me think makes me want to ask you you've been clear to say that the the sort of the behavioral science social science uh, work that that you were doing is separate from the epidemiological uh, research on uh, the spread of the disease but I'm just wondering how the two, is there any sort of interaction between the two in the sense that I, I think of a couple of possibilities. So, you know, you, you're spreading, you're investigating, for example, how quickly the idea of social distancing spread, which is independent of whether social distancing is effective or not. So it, it might be a really good thing to do. It might actually be a mistaken thing to do and it spread nonetheless. Um, that's kind of maybe one end of the. That's one way of looking at it. Um, another way is: is there any sense in which the the the, the responses or look the the the, um, the habits, the behaviours that spread were there was there was wisdom in the crowds in the sense that the the behaviours that spread were actually sensible and effective ones, and the ones that people. So, you know, is it is it part of the behavioural immune system to to socially distance is that a very easy idea for people to pick up and and turns out to be an effective one so what what's the relationship between the success of the spread and the effectiveness of the measure
1: no that's uh that's a very good question and uh and one of the one of the reasons why i was uh, perhaps more eager to jump uh into pandemic research was because i had have done uh research on the uh, sort of Intuitions that people have about pathogens uh, prior uh, to the pandemic, and uh, what what we are finding finding is exactly what you are suggesting, and what other people uh, also have been finding that that people intuitively engage in physical distancing when they are uh, worried about uh, pathogens. So in that sense, people had a um, were psychologically prepared for exactly this type of behavior uh, when concerns about a, uh, a virus uh, was present and I think that's also part of the reason why people very very quickly began to uh, engage in it uh, and also why there are these very interesting studies of uh, how for example uh, economic activity uh, went equally down in Denmark and Sweden despite the fact that Denmark's lockdown was much harder than in Sweden. And there are similar studies in, in, uh, in United States where similar states did and did not went into lockdown, but economic activity fell n- no matter what. And that's because if you, if you have an activation of the behavioral immune system, then uh, you don't wanna intuitively not interact with others
0: so so would you say that the that social distancing is uh, you know is part of our evolved psychology an evolved response to pathogens and infections
1: i would say uh, for for sure but we need to get the terms uh, accurate uh, oliver because the mm-hmm. uh, world health organization is now recommending the use of physical distancing rather than social distancing
0: okay physical okay or dis- i i quite liked um, Distant socialising was better than social distancing, but okay, physical distancing, fine, D- or just to say distancing. Um, so it's plausible that that's part of our ev- kind of evolved response to things like this. And is it effective?
1: Uh, I th- think all the all the data that we have do suggest that it is uh, is uh, effective because, after all, uh, the uh, uh, Close proximity to a disease vector is uh, highly correlated uh, with, uh, with whether you get uh, infected or not. Of course, there yep. are complications, uh, and now now we are getting into armchair epidemiology. But there are mm-hmm. there are uh, complications depending on uh, whether the
0: virus is airborne uh, or not. Of course, but but other things being equal, the yep. further you are away, the better exactly so i I saw a a tweet from a social psychologist the other day saying you know one of the most difficult things about this pandemic is the advice to stay away from other people stay away from um from including loved ones and this psychologist said you know this is a this is such a difficult thing for humans to do you know it goes against human nature to distance yourself and i thought well not necessarily and if it might be part of human nature to distance yourself from people with infections and that's my understanding of the of the literature. So, is is that quite a, a well established, and including your own work, is that quite a well established finding? Uh,
1: I, I well apparently, if uh, if uh, there are social psychologists who uh, haven't picked it up, then then there are still uh, someone who needs to be convinced. But I think, hmm. I, I think there's it, work, it, to yeah, there's there's work to, to do. Yes, maybe i listen to, listen to this. But I think, I, th- I think the important uh, part is to make distinctions between different types of people. So it's very difficult for us to uh, distance ourselves from our loved ones, uh, from like close friends and close uh, close family. Uh, but it's very, very easy to distance yourself from, from strangers. Uh, and, and the research that we have done on, on sort of intuitive physical distancing before, does suggest that, that uh, concerns about pathogens do make you avoid strangers, uh, but not so much, uh, in fact, not at all your own, uh, your own family. And part of the reason okay. is that uh, from, and, uh, from the, the perspective of, of evolution, there are some, some different trade-offs. Like you, you don't wanna catch an infection from a stranger. Uh, but but you might be willing to catch an infection uh, f- from from a family member if you can, if the reason why you're catching it is that you're treating the person. So you mm-hmm. sort of we, we have a lot of uh, not just intuitive uh, or intuitions about uh, distancing, but we also have a lot of intuitions about healthcare and taking care of uh, of, of sick friends
0: and and sick family members. Okay, that's um, yeah, that's an important qualification that not all not all people are equal in that sense. And is that strangers is one thing, and then is that even more pronounced when it comes to outgroups?
1: See, now you're touching on a big unsettled question in the behavioral uh, immune system uh, literature because some people would argue uh, that. Uh I, I tend to find uh, that uh, that it's strangers of, of all kinds. There might be some slight uh, more uh, stronger effects from from outgroups, especially if they look unfamiliar. Uh, but, but overall, if it's, it's, it's not as if the uh, behavioral immune system in, in my perspective was built, uh with a group component uh in it
0: and i think you have a paper on this so we'll put this in the show notes and no doubt return to it in the future so um with all this in mind these are here's two very big questions so well so one question is you know there's a there's a view one view is that um it it does you know governments huff and puff and politicians Struck backwards and forwards and have this policy and that policy. But for example, they don't, they don't make very much difference. It's kind of froth on top of the coffee and, you know, the economy marches on one way or another and things happen. And although politics takes up a lot of our attention, it doesn't have that much of a causal effect on what's happening uh, all over the place. So it, it sounds like one interpretation of your finding is that whatever, whichever policies, Governments put forward. Um, it it didn't really make they don't really make very much difference to what the general population is doing or has done uh, in this case. It, how how wrong is that uh, spin on what you've found? I, th- I think it's pretty wrong uh, because
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you're right in in terms of like what happened in the in the early. Uh, phase of the pandemic but but the problem is that the pandemic is uh, Mm. not a sprint it's a marathon Mm. and one of the things that we at least can see in our data is that there is uh, very high degrees of um, uh, sort of skepticism emerging uh, mistrust of the government uh, emerging and i think that that is where uh, politicians do make a huge difference the way in which they are able to uh, generate legitimacy and generate support uh, for the policies and i think that will make a, a huge difference in the long run and, and in the coming months uh, that that when we are heading into a, a presumably much much
0: worse uh, situation Okay, so now I've got four questions in my brain. So quickly, which countries have done well, and which countries have done badly, and what what is it that the good ones have done well?
1: Uh, so we we are we are investigating these uh, these eight uh, countries. So that's where I uh, that they, those are the ones I know the best. Uh, Denmark seems to be very very high on support uh, for the government uh, response. Part of that. Probably reflects that uh, there hasn't been a lot of deaths uh, from the pandemic, uh, but uh, maybe also uh, because of uh, some uh, good good advice on how to communicate. Uh, <laughs> but um, we, w-
0: you're a confounder in this experiment.
1: Yeah, uh, but I, I think one of the so United States uh, there is uh, mm. significant uh, mistrust to the government response, but also I think one of the uh, one of the countries where things look most bleak is uh, France, uh, according to our data. UK is not good either, but for France, mm. it really seems as if that there is very uh, high degrees of uh, mistrust. Uh, there's high degree of fatigue. Uh, there is high degree of uh, support for like conspiracy-like ideas about the government hiding stuff. And I think that will spill over to what can be called the, like the next phase of the pandemic, which is uh,
0: the vaccine. Um, but is there like, is there a relationship between, so these kind of, as it were subjective factors, how people feel about things, what they're doing, is there a relationship between that and for example, the death rate? So.
1: See that that is that is uh, that that seems to be the case, but that's not uh, that's more on the basis of eyeballing uh, different graphs than from from hard uh, statistics. Uh, I, I hope to have a very firm answer to that uh, question uh, in, in a year. But, but okay. it does seem uh, as if that's the that's the
0: case. Okay, so so countries are varying some are doing better than others. What what are the good ones doing or to put it another way? What are your recommendations? What should countries be doing?
1: I I think that uh, it, It's a very, very good question, because it's it, it basically is about creating a contract between the public uh, and the authorities about how is it that we're dealing uh, with this um, And and the question is that if, if that sort of slips away, then I think it's very, very difficult to get back on track mm-hmm. because there's this negative spiral where if people begin to like feel that the restrictions are not legitimate uh, and that they're feeling fatigued, then they will begin to uh, act uh, in less accordance uh, with the health advice, with the restrictions, which means that the authorities will feel a need to increase restrictions in order to keep Mm -hmm. the epidemic uh, at bay, which just will create further uh, feelings of uh, a lack of legitimacy and further feelings of uh, fatigue. So there's this uh, very problematic negative spiral, and I basically don't know how to get
0: out of it. Okay, but how do you avoid getting into it in the first place? I think that is about...
1: uh, being uh, basically thinking, thinking about this as a uh, much larger crisis than, than just about the, uh, the, the, the medical uh, part of it. That, that you need to uh, understand that this is, this is about communication. This is about leadership. This is about a large number of other factors that people also care hugely about. In terms of their mental health, their social relationships, um, their their um, their finances, and then you, in some way, need to strike a deal with the public. Uh, and the way to do that is to make sure that you know what the public thinks. So you shouldn't just track uh, infection numbers. You need constantly mm. to track public opinion. You need to uh, track public mood, and you need to react on the basis of it.
0: Mm. Well, so and we need to treat people like grown-ups and you know check that they've they're following along and all that um i mean certainly what you were saying before about the spiral of mistrust that's i think that's probably um in a slightly less dramatic version was my experience like at the beginning of this in the uk uh i was willing to give the government the benefit of the doubt and obviously it was a mad scramble and no one knew the right answer and the lockdown was seemed like a Sensible precaution to buy some time to figure things out, um, and so so far so good. Um, and then, the, but there was a point in the, maybe in the middle of the lockdown that Boris Johnson gave a, uh, a speech where it was you uh, sort of in the, in the middle of it all, and he announced that his first attempt at the sort of traffic light system of I don't know one, two, three, four, five levels. And essentially, and again, I don't know anything about the effectiveness of the different policies or you know what's going on behind the scenes. I only know what's presented. Um, but he basically flubbed this speech. He it wasn't it, it was incoherent. I thought it didn't make sense. He didn't he didn't explain why he was doing what he was doing. That um, it 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 didn't seem well thought through. Um, and at that point, I thought ah, I don't I no longer have confidence in what they're doing. And that's just a subjective thing. And ever since then, I've, i my view has been, look, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. All I can do is follow, uh, the advice and do as I'm told, but it, um, once, like you say, once you've, uh, once you've lost that trust and you, you're kind of going through the motions and doing what, you know, trying to use your common sense to navigate the, the gray areas, um, it's much easier to see that the various policies put forward as you know as somewhat arbitrary or random or contradictory or they if they're changing from week to week you just think well what what, what difference is it for example what difference does it make if the pubs cl- shut at 10 rather than 11 or what could it be nine or you know if everyone gets we abandoned uh, pub closing time or made it flexible opening times a few years ago The rationale being that if you close the pub, all the pubs at the same time, everyone ends up on the street together and once upon a time they'd all have, all have a fight. Um, Now they've reimposed it and they shut the pubs and everyone turns out at the same time and mingles. You think this, who's, again, I have no idea whether, uh, you know, what is actually happening and what is working. But on the surface, it just looks like people, policymakers just flailing around. Um, and irrespective of the effectiveness that isn't that, that's not going to inspire or encourage people to follow the guidelines.
1: No I, I think that's absolutely uh, true and I think one of the one of the failings of, of political leaders is also to sort of um, that, that, that I think, both both politicians and medical doctors are trained in trying to instill confidence but i think the problem is that you need to embrace uncertainty and you need to be very very clear that you are acting on the basis of uncertain information Uh, and and i think that's that's crucial to good uh, leadership in this uh, crisis because no one is doing knowing no one knows what's the right uh, thing
0: yeah. I mean, if you say at the beginning, I mean, again, you have to communicate, you have to communicate sort of overly simplified, clear guidelines. Um, but if you say we're going to do this thing and it's perfect and then it it's falsified, then people, uh, you know, people draw their own conclusions. If you say we're going to have to do this thing because we think it's the best option, but, you know, we'll find out and people go, oh, OK, fair enough, we'll find out. And then the, the response to when you change the policy, when you update the policy, is completely different to if you had presented it as you know, perfect in the first place, which, which again is, goes back to treating people like grown-ups.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I very much uh, agree. And I think that's, uh, that's uh, a, a very clear uh, conclusion that, that seems to be emerging at, at this point of the pandemic. Mm. Again, who knows what comes next? But mm. I think that's... That's a key conclusion uh, at this point.
0: Okay. Well, uh, there's lots, obviously, lots more questions to uh, to ask about this pandemic. Um, I think, unfortunately, we can get going to get the chance to talk about it again. Um, but for now, uh, I think we can leave it there. So, Michael, thank you very much for your insights.
1: Well, no, uh, thank you, and uh, thank you for your insights.
0: Okay. Uh, Okay, well, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, We're now available on, um, on Apple iTunes. So press the button or subscribe or do whatever it is you're supposed to do. And we'll see you next time on The Map.